Chapter 25 of Balsamo the Magician by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Gilbert Snaps Golden Chains It is time to return to Gilbert. Our little philosopher had cooled in his admiration for Chan, since at the outbreak of the collision between Chevalier Jean and Philip of Tavernay, he had learnt the name of his protectress. Often, at Tavernay, when he was skulking and listening to the chat of the baron and his daughter, he had heard the old noble express himself plainly about the favorite Dubarry. His interested hatred had found a sympathetic echo in the boy's bosom, and Andrea never contradicted her father's abuse, for it must be allowed. Lady Dubarry's name was deeply scorned in the country. What completely ranked Gilbert on the side of the old noble was that Nicole had sometimes exclaimed, I wish I were Dubarry. John was too busy after the duel to think about Gilbert, who forgot his bad impression as he entered the court capital in his frank admiration. He was still under the spell when he slept in the attic of the royal palace. The only matter in his dreams was that he, the poor boy, was lodged like the foremost and nobleman of France without his being a courtier or a lackey. Gilbert was in one of the thinking fits common to him, when events surpassed his will or comprehension, when he was told that Mademoiselle Chan wanted to see him. She was waiting in her carriage for him to accompany her on a ride. She sat in the front seat with a large chest and a small dog. Gilbert and a steward named Cronche were to have the other places. To preserve his position, Gilbert sat behind Chan, and the steward, without even thinking of objecting, sat behind the dog and box. Like all who lived in Versailles, John drew a free breath with pleasure in quitting the grand palace for the woods and pastures, and said as she turned half round on their leaving the town, "'How does the philosopher like Versailles?' "'It is very fine. So, we are quitting it so soon. We are going to our place.' "'Your place, you mean?' grumbled Gilbert in the tone of a bear becoming tamed. "'I mean that—' I am going to introduce you to my sister, whom you must try to please, for she is hand and glove with all the great lords of the kingdom. By the way, Master Cronche, we must have a suit of clothes made for this young gentleman. The ordinary livery, queried the man. Livery, snarled Gilbert, giving the upper servant a fierce look. Oh, no, I will tell you the style after I communicate my notion to my sister— but it must be ready at the same time as Zamor's new clothes. Gilbert was startled at this talk. Zamor is a little playfellow for you, the governor of the royal castle of Lucienne, explained Chan. Make friends with him, as he is a good fellow in spite of his color. Gilbert was eager to know what color Zamor was, but he reflected that philosophers ought not to be reproved for inquisitiveness, and he contained himself. I will try, replied the youth, with a smile which he thought full of dignity. Luciana was what had been described to him. So, this is the pleasure-house which has cost the country so dearly, he mused. Joyous dogs and eager servants came to greet the mistress's sister. Jean had not come, and John was glad to see her first of all. Sylvie, she said to a pretty girl who came to take the lap-dog in the chest, Give me a poof and the pox to Cronche, and take my little philosopher to Zamor. 
The chambermaid did not know what kind of animal a philosopher was, but Chan's glance directed her to Gilbert, and she beckoned him to follow her. But for the tone of command which Chan had used, the youth would have taken Sylvie for other than a servant. She was dressed more like Andrea than Nicole. She gave Gilbert a smile, for the recommendation denoted that Chan had a fancy, if not affection, for the newcomer. Gilbert was rather daunted by the idea of appearing before so grand an official as a royal governor, but the words that Zamor was a good fellow reassured him. Friend of a viscount and a court lady already, he might face a governor. How the court is slandered, he thought, for it is easy to make friends among the courtiers. They are kind and hospitable. In a noble Roman room, on cushions with crossed legs, squatted Zamor, eating candies out a satin bag. "'Ho!' Oh, exclaimed the incipient philosopher. "'What do you call this thing?' "'Me no ting, me gubbina,' blubbered Zamor. Gilbert had never before seen a negro. The uneasy glance which he turned up to Sylvie caused that lively girl to burst into a peal of laughter. Grave and motionless— as an idol. Zamor kept on diving with his paw in the bag of sweetmeats and munching away. At this moment, the door opened to give admission to Steward Crancha and a tailor to take the measurements of Gilbert. "'Do not pull him about too much,' said the steward. "'Oh, I am done,' said the knight of the thimble. "'The costume of Sir Ganarella is a loose one, and we never bother about a fit.' "'Oh!' "'He will look fine as Sigonarella,' said Sylvie. "'And is he to have the high hat like Mother Goose's?' Gilbert did not hear the reply as he pushed aside the tailor and would not help any more preparations. He did not know that Sigonarella was a comic character in a popular play, but he saw that it was a ludicrous one, and he was enlightened further by Sylvie's laughter. She departed with tailor and steward, leaving him alone with the black boy who continued to roll his eyes and devour the bonbons. What riddles for the country boy! What dreads and pangs for the philosopher who guessed that his manly dignity was in as much danger in Lucienne as at Tavernay! Still, he tried to talk to Zamor, but that interesting African, sitting astride of a chair on casters, made it run him round the room a dozen times with a celerity which ought to have shown by anticipation that the velocipede was a practical machine. Suddenly, a bell tinkled and Zamor darted out of the room with as much rapidity as he had shown in the novel quadricycle. Gilbert would have followed, but on looking through the doorway he saw the passage so crowded with servants guarding noblemen in gay clothes that he shivered and slunk back. An hour passed without the return of Zamor or Sylvie. Gilbert was longing for human company when a footman came to take him to Mademoiselle Chon. Free. After having informed her sister how she had conducted the mission to Lady Bayern, Chon was breakfasting with a hearty appetite in a loose dressing gown in a morning room. She cast a glance on Gilbert without offering him a seat. "'How have you hit off with Zamor?' she inquired after tossing off a glass of wine like liquid topaz. "'How could I make the acquaintance of a black boy who does not speak, but stares and gulps down candies?' "'I thought you said all were equal.' "'He may be my equal, 
but I do not think him so, answered Gilbert. What fun he is, muttered Chan. You seem not to give away your heart in a hurry. With slowness, lady. I hoped you held me in affection. I have considerable liking for you personally, but... Thanks for so much. You overpower me. How long does it take for one to win the good graces of so disdainful a fellow? Much time. Some would never win them. Ha! Huh. This explains why you could suddenly leave Tavernay Castle after staying there eighteen years. It appears that its masters could not obtain your friendship and confidence. Not all. What did they do? Who displeased you? I am not complaining. Oh, very well. If you do not want to give your confidence, I might help you to come out even with these tavernets, if you told me what they are like. I take no revenge. Or I take it with my own hand, said Gilbert proudly. Still, as you bear a grudge against them, or several, and we have one, we ought to be allies. You are wrong, lady. I feel very different toward different members of the family. Is Lord Philip one whom you paint black or rosy? I bear no ill to Master Philip, who has done nothing to me one way or another. Then you would not be a witness against him in favor of my brother about that duel? I should be bound to speak the truth, and that would be unfavorable toward Chevalier du Barry. Do you make him out wrong? He was so, to insult the Delphiness. Are you upholding the Delphiness? I stand for justice. You are mad, boy. Never talk of justice in a royal residence when one serves a master. He takes the responsibility. Not so. Every man should obey his conscience. Anyway, I have no master. I did not ask to come here. And now I will go away, freely as I came. Oh, no, you don't, cried Chon, amazed at this rebellion and getting angered. Gilbert frowned. No. No, let us have peace. Here, you will have but three persons to please, the king, my sister, and myself. How am I to please you? Well, you have seen Zamor. He gets already so much a year out of the royal private purse. He is governor of Lucienne, and though he may be laughed at for his blubber lips and complexion, he is courted and called my lord. I shall not do that. What? When you assert that all men are brothers? That is the reason why I will not acknowledge him, my lord. Chan was beaten with her own weapons. She bit her lips. You do not seem to be ambitious. Yes, I am. And his eyes sparkled. To be a doctor? You shall be a doctor. That was the costume you were measured for. Royal physician, too. I, who know not the ABC of medical science. 
you are mocking at me lady does Samor know anything about governing a castle i see you want me to be a sham doctor a buffoon the king wants another merrymaker why not don't you know that the duke of treme begs my sister to appoint him her monkey but don't hang your head keep that lumpish air for your doctoral uniform meanwhile as you must live on something better than your pills go and have breakfast with the governor with some more i am not hungry you will be before evening if we must give you an appetite we will call in the whipper to the royal pages the youth trembled and turned pale go back to my lord some more continued chan taking the silence for consent or at least submission you will find that he is fed daintily mind not to be an ingrate or you will be taught what gratitude is a lackey conducted gilbert to the mock governor's dining-room but he would not eat anything nevertheless when the costume of the doctor in moliere's comedy was brought he submitted to being shown how he was to wear it i thought that the doctors of that time carried an inkhorn and a quill to write out their prescriptions suggested gilbert by jove they did exclaimed the steward let us have the complete while we are about it the foreman charged to get the articles also acquainted chan who was going to join her sister in paris with the astonishing willingness of her pet she was so pleased that she sent a little purse with some silver in it to be added to the doctor's girdle along with the inkhorn gilbert sent his thanks and expressed a wish to be left alone to put on the costume make haste said the steward that the young lady may see you before she is off to paris gilbert looked out of the window to see how the gardens were arranged returning to the table he tore the long black doctoral gown into three strips which he made a rope of by tying the ends together on the table he laid the hat and the purse and the following declaration which he wrote lady the foremost of boons is liberty the holiest of duties is to preserve it as you do violence to my feelings i set myself free gilbert he addressed this epistle to chon tied his twelve feet of serge rope to the window-sill glided down like a serpent and dropped on the terrace at risk of breaking his neck though stunned a little by the fall he ran to some trees scrambled up among the boughs slipped downward till he was on a lower level and could reach the ground where he ran away with all his might when they came for him half an hour after he was far beyond their reach end of chapter twenty five recording by john van stan savannah georgia